re-loosening up monetary conditions. And I, I think that's going to have to happen if it wants to prevent a total financial system meltdown like we had in 2008. Greetings, land of Arcadia Economics. My name is Dave Kranzler, and welcome back to another episode of my bi-weekly podcast. You can find information about me at investmentresearchdynamics.com, as well as links to my mining stock journal and short sellers journal subscriptions. Before we get started, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by or sponsored by Silver Viper. I do not receive any compensation whatsoever from Silver Viper, but um, Chris obviously does. And um, I do follow and recommend Silver Viper in my mining stock journal, but it doesn't have any connection to um, Chris's business with them. As most of you probably know, Silver Viper is advancing its La Virginia project in Sonora, Mexico, as a small existing resource. And currently the company is drilling to hopefully expand the resource, and that should lead to um, an, an updated resource estimate, I think sometime in early 2024. But at any rate, um, just as an aside, I've had several subscribers email me recently to ask me if I thought Silver Viper was a buy here. I mean, at, at six cents, this thing is stupidly cheap. It's selling at a big discount to what its, its resource is potentially worth, assuming it's an economic resource. I think it probably is. It's got the right DNA in being in Sonora. Um, but that'll require some, some further flushing out that the company will get into down the road. But if you believe, as I do, that we're going to go into another bull cycle in the precious metal sector, I mean, there's so many silver junkies like me out there. What happens is, is, is regardless of whether a silver junior has a good project or a bad project, the stock's going to move higher. So um, at six cents, your downside is very limited. And, you know, this is the type of company that fundamentally could be a three to five bagger. Um, and just technically, if we get a nice move in the precious metal sector, uh, it, it could also perform similarly. So that's Silver Viper. Now, I, I hope this episode is kind of interesting and engaging. Uh, many of you have probably noticed the the decline in the Fed's reverse repo facility. And I'm going to try and present a cogent argument that connects the decline in that facility. It's down 1.4 trillion since the end of December 2022. Um, but I'm going to try and present a connection between that and why I think it's it's bullish for the precious metal sector. But first, uh, I wanted to Today, I guess, and I, I think this was today on CNBC, um, and a snippet of the presentation was going around Twitter, and that's where I saw it. And it just coincidentally was Rick Santelli discussing the decline in the reverse repo facility, and he's trying to connect it with the rise in interest rates. And um, it's a good example of how, and he shows the charts that show the rise in interest rates, and then the um, 
the the decline versus the decline in the reverse repo facility. It's it's a good example of of why charts can be misused to present cause and effect. Now, the the reason for that, his argument is that you know all of a sudden it's it's somehow has flooded the market with a lot of treasuries. And that's what's driven rates up on the longer end. And no, that's not true. First of all, on the short end, as everyone knows, it's the hike in the Fed funds rate that's caused um, the short end to rise. And it's actually, you know, the three-month bills now are at 550. Um, there's several reasons why the long end has risen, but it's not because of the decline in the reverse repo facility. Uh, a reverse repo facility is treasury market neutral. Because so the way it works is that, and, and also um, the majority of the reverse repo facility has been funded by money market funds because um, it was it was a way for them to um, to, to get um, a, a higher than market rate at the time when it first started, um, and, and it helped them um, from from breaking the buck, which we know is a bad thing. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So what happens is, is in a reverse repo transaction, the Fed sells a treasury security to a money market fund or a bank. There's banks in the facility for sure. Um, and, and takes cash from the money market fund. So it's kind of like an overnight investment in, you know, at the Fed that pays a nice rate of interest. And then the next day that operation unwinds and the treasury goes back to the Fed and the cash goes back to the money market fund or the bank. So it, it's not like it floods the market with treasury securities. I mean, to be sure, the Fed's SOMA account has gone down by quite a bit, but that, that's been a very, very slow process. And it's not, so it's not like, um, uh, it, it's not like, you know, all of a sudden the Fed was flooding the market with treasuries and that's what drove rates higher. Um, this is this is graphically what the reverse repo facility looks like. And you'll note that, so Rick was trying to, Santelli was trying to tie it back to when it peaked at 2.5 trillion at the end of December of 2022. And really it, it hasn't really started declining until um, the end of May, early June, 2023 and that's i don't have the chart to prove it but um that's that's roughly when uh the rates on on short-term t-bills started going over five percent and so what i would argue and again I, I can't prove this but i mean the, the tracks are the footprints are in the snow um this decline has been largely precipitated by money market funds instead of locking in you know, like today, the, the reverse repo rate was the, the clearing rate was 5.3%. Okay, but a money market fund can can uh, buy a three month bill at five and a half percent, which 20, you know, 20 basis points in yield is a lot for a money market fund. And so this this is this is money that's disintermediating from money market funds and probably some banks um, into short-term T-bills. And money market funds don't invest in the long end. So they have nothing to do with whatever happens technically in the treasury market 
and, and the treasury yield curve at the long end. Um, so that that's what's that's what's going on there. And I I apologize on behalf of Rick if anyone saw his presentation because it, it's it's not correct. So one example of, of why yields at the long end are going up is because they have to compete. You know, no one's going to buy a 30-year treasury or a 10-year treasury under 5%. If they can buy a three-month bill and lock in 5.5%, you'd have to be a complete idiot to do that. And that's part of what's driving rates higher is, is in order for the government one other point I wanted to make about that, um, many of you probably recall that once the debt ceiling was lifted, all of a sudden the government started financing its, its the Treasury started financing its operations with short-term bills. And why was it doing that? Because it knew that it, it had this, it could, you know, eventually this, the, the reservoir of money in the reverse repo operation would, would move from the reverse repo operation into short-term T-bills. And that's, that's, and it could use, tap into that money to, to finance additional treasury issuance without causing um, the yield curve to shift outward because of the supply. Um, you know, we also know that um, foreign central banks have been unloading treasuries and they, they typically tend to hold the longer duration treasuries. Um, and a, as an example of, of how we know the long end has to shift out further and the, and the curve has to, well, it's inverted still, but it's got, it has to flatten and then eventually um, go back to upward sloping if the Treasury has any hope of, of using longer dated Treasuries to fund the spending deficit. Um, there was, a, if those of you who may recall, last Thursday, this is being recorded on Wednesday, October 18th. So last Thursday, there was a 30-year bond auction. That was an absolute disaster. I mean, the 30-year bond off the top of my head was yielding like 480 or something like that. Why would anyone buy a 30-year bond at 480 when you can buy a five-month bill? Last week, the five-month bill was probably more like 5, 535 or something, whatever. But, you know, that's, that's the point. You're not going to buy 30-year duration for less than you're going to, you can get three month duration. So, um, and the, the treasury auction was a disaster and the announcement of it being a disaster is what caused the stock market to sell off. So, and then today the treasury did a 20 year auction and it went really well. And the reason is, is because at the 20 year point in the yield curve, so the, the 10 years are yielding call it 485 off the top of my head, right now 483 whatever and and the and the 30 year went right back it is back at 5% but the the 20 year was is yielding something like 520 so it, it it's yielding high enough of a rate that's going to attract um investment entities and apparently there was some good foreign interest in in the issue so um it, my point here is is that it's going to take much higher rates on the long end to attract capital to help fund these treasury auctions. And so that brings me back to my next point here. And that is when, when the, the money market funding of shorter treasury issuance is tapped out. And unless the, the long end of the treasury curve blows out quite a bit, 
to attract. Again, we know Chinese has been unloading treasuries. OPEC countries have been unloading treasuries. Several other foreign central banks. Part of it is just because they're they're reducing their dollar reserves in advance of a of a monetary system that is not going to have just the dollar as a trade settlement security or a trade settlement currency. And we know that's going on already. Um, so that you know you're going to have to have much higher rates at the long end and probably the whole treasury curve in order to reattract foreign capital in a major way to finance the spending deficit, which isn't going down. I got news for you. I don't care what Janet Yellen says. Um, in order to finance that. And if that doesn't happen, if the Fed lets rates or, you know, manipulates the market as it does to keep rates low, you know, keeps a cap on, on yields, then who's going to fund that? Well, I think we all know the answer to that. QE is going to fund it. We're going to go back to QE. The Fed's going to have to print more money. And I think they're going to have to anyway. But um, that's that's why I think that what's going on in the reverse repo facility is potentially extraordinary, extraordinarily bullish for the precious metal sector. And if you recall last Thursday, when everything sold off, well, everything did sell off except the precious metal sector. We had a we had a big bounce in uh, we had a big bounce in the mining stocks, and that's carried through to this week. And we had a big bounce in gold and silver, and that's carried through to this week. So. Um, one last thing I wanted to discuss is um, I think everyone in the audience, I know I am, I'm, I'm wondering is, has the next bull move started? And I think, to be honest, I think the jury's out still. Um, it, it's been nice that we've had this move, but I don't know if it's going to continue. I mean, I think eventually we're going to get a huge move and I, it may take um, the eventuality of the Fed announcing <laughs> probably in some disguised name that it's going to be printing more money. I, I don't know that it'll call it QE because it certainly didn't call the the 400 billion that it tossed into the banking system in, in, at the end of March to, to save the regional banks, to really bail out the depositors. You know, it, it called that some other fancy name. And that's what I think you'll see. I think you'll get Orwellian speak on what, you know, on the next money printing endeavor that the Fed takes. Um, but this chart here of GDX, we've been in a downtrend since, well, really since the the spring of 2022. Um, but, and really, really, really since August of 2020, if I extended this chart back, you'd see that um, GDX was a lot higher in August, 2020. So it's been in a downtrend. Um, and we've kind of, I would argue that we're kind of basing here. We've, and we, we certainly haven't gone back to as low as we were in September of last year. Uh, and we had a nice move off that. And we've got a bounce here. And I did, I'm not showing it, but the RSI is, is in slightly overbought territory and kind of curled over a little bit today. That doesn't necessarily mean we're going to go lower. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we have a pullback to the 50-day moving average here, which is this yellow line. Um, in fact, I would I would love to see that, and then another move higher that takes us above this downtrend line. Um, is that going to happen? 
I certainly hope so, as do most of you out there, I'm sure. Um, but again, like I said, it, it may take the eventuality of the Fed re-loosening up monetary conditions. And I, I think that's going to have to happen if it wants to prevent a total financial system meltdown like we had in 2008. So I hope this was interesting and somewhat educational. Uh, I just wanted to mention that my next issue of the Mining Stock Journal will be released this afternoon. And uh, I present, there's a handful of junior microcap stocks that I discuss in there. Um, one of them being Viva Gold. Um, but these stocks, which I think I've mentioned before on this on this podcast, um, but these are stocks that, similar to Silver Viper, are trading at absurdly low dollar price and market cap levels. And if we do get the kind of move that I think we'll eventually get, many of these stocks, well, the ones that at least I discuss in my newsletter, are going to be five to ten baggers. And there's there's two of them, Viva being one of them. And there's another one that I've covered for a while, but I want to um, let my subscribers see what I'm talking about with this stock before I discuss it in public. Um, this stock, if everything goes, this company, if everything goes according to plan and smoothly, it's going to start producing gold by the end of, by late 2024. And it's, it's going to be a, it already has permits. It just needs to do a little more economic analysis to see if it financially makes sense. It will. And um, when that event happens, there'll be a lot of news flow on this company over the next several months. When that happens, I mean, the stock's going to take off. And it, it's a stock that most of the market is not aware of or has never heard of. And that's the type of mining stocks or juniors that I like to look for. So... Again, if you're interested in learning more about it, you can learn more about the Mining Stock Journal at investmentresearchdynamics.com. Oh, and one more thing. Um, I'll have Chris put a link to the Santelli, the tweet that had the Santelli video um, in the description below. So you, you can watch him make a fool of himself. And with that, I'll see everyone in two weeks.